Okay, so my name is Zohran Kwame Mamdani. I'm born and raised in Kampala, Uganda, in East Africa. Moved to Cape Town in 96, and that's from that's, it's from there that I moved to New York in 99. I live in New York City. I live uh, in this plush apartment uh, with no rent. My parents' house, son! Wow, we've clipped already. Look at that. That's beautiful. <laughs> Let me bring the volume down a little bit. <laughs> What do you remember about your first day or first couple days of Bronx Science? Ooh, um, wow, first couple days. I, I don't actually remember the first couple days that well. I remember the opening day when I came to visit when I was, uh, what was it, when I was in eighth grade. I'd taken the Shazat just as preparation for the ICs. I didn't have any intention of going to Bronx Science. I mean, the, really, like the, it was a small idea of like maybe Stuyvesant. And then when I didn't get it, I was like, nah. <laughs> I ain't going to public school. <laughs> and then, then uh, but then, uh, but I remember when I walked in, there was just this jazz band playing, um, students just killing it. And that hadn't happened at any of the private schools. Mm-hmm. And uh, the jazz band wasn't all white which was also different from all the private schools I'd visited. It was, it was just a very different feeling and vibe. Um, Were the schools that you'd gone to before predominantly white? Oh, yeah. So that felt like a huge change? Huge difference. And was that something you were consciously like looking for? Or did you just see it and you're like, oh, that's appealing to me? Oh, yeah, it wasn't something conscious. I wasn't really thinking like that at that age. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it was like a subconscious thing. You know, I dealt with it regularly, but not the way that I t- articulate it now. But yeah, there was something just just about seeing that kind of a student body and running into people who looked a lot more like me than mm. than uh, you know like the squad of six that I was getting ready yeah. to be boys with for the <laughs> next four years at like and that was Fieldston from, that was from all Trinity of those schools combined. Or, yeah, right? you know, yeah. I saw them on opening day at those other schools and I was like, yo, we about to get real tight. Somehow they kept rotating the same <laughs> yeah. kids between all those schools. It's a um, very lucrative profession. <laughs> yeah, they were actually grown men. Yeah. Real short grown men. Um, so let's go into the classroom. Uh, who were a couple of teachers or classes that stayed with you and you think about now as being memorable? Hands down, Mr. Kagan. Mm. I had him freshman year and senior year. Uh, he's a fantastic teacher. What else stuck with me? Actually, I'm really not that good at math, as many of my friends will constantly attest to. Mm-hmm. But uh, Miss Abbott, she was great. I do remember though when she told me she doesn't listen to music in general, and I was just like, "Whoa!" Um, and I never had him, but Mr. Lamphere seemed like a good dude. Um, who were the English teachers that we went through? Schoenfeld. Oh, that who, was a who's, side note. My boss for this project. Wow. Yeah. So I'm not gonna say anything. No, no, no take shots. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Make it real. I like this. <laughs> no. Uh, that class was one of the most memorable classes. Which class was The that? journalism class yeah. with uh, with Ms. Schoenfeld. I loved what we did, but especially the makeup of that class was just ridiculous. It, it wasn't even fair. Mm-hmm. We just had so many disruptive personalities, myself included. <laughs> but like, do you remember when Linda, it was her name Linda Chu, and Sarah did like a rap? Mm, yeah. And then I picked up Linda. Sean and I picked up Linda on her Physically? chair. We picked up her chair. We were like, Linda! <laughs> I think there's a video on Facebook, actually. Oh, my God. Uh, that's why I remember this so well. But that that was a great class. Um, so if listeners can't tell, like, I can't even keep my pretense of objectivity up any far. Like, Zora and I knew each other very well. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you describe, at least initially for the first couple of years, like, who is your crew? So I think my crew was initially, I mean, um, 
very much dictated by geography. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the few non-white kids um, who was coming in from Manhattan. Th- like, I, I feel like predominantly is an understatement. Like, almost all white um, for those first few years. You were an influx of diversity. Yeah, I was I was the surge. As Harry, as Harry, <laughs> yeah, as Harry would put it. Like, yeah, the vibe was do? very much like what people would call it was like the Manhattan crew. Like, you know, the Upper West Side kids, most of whom went to Delta. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, the one kid who went to private middle school at Bank Street. But interestingly, though, um, we were, mm-hmm. you know, in different ways, kind of not the norm of the Manhattan crew, which yeah. were almost all these kids knew each other, came into Bronx Science, knew each other. I barely knew anyone, yeah. uh, maybe two or three people. And then you mentioned that there was, you know, who the crew was evolved over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, well, definitely. Yeah. I mean, um, two big influences on my friend groups um, were the soccer team, which mm-hmm. was a big part of my time at Bronx Science. And, you know, you had some of the Manhattan kids, but also kids who were kind of from all over. I mean, some of my closest friends um, were, we were just united by soccer. There was, oh, that sounds so fucking corny, united by soccer. It sounds like a yearbook quote they made up for me. But yeah, so think, you know, the soccer team changes things, but I think the biggest impact in terms of changing like uh, my dynamics of where my friends were from, what they looked like, who they were, was uh, when I co-founded the cricket team junior mm. year with uh, a good friend of mine at the time, Tyrell Datt. Um, now the cricket team was all brown. Brown is what, you know, the word we use to describe, in this case, people from South Asian origin. The team was, by and large, um, of second gener- first or second generation immigrant families coming from, you know, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, um, very strong Bengali presence at Bronx Science. But yeah, that drastically changed kind of who I was as an individual also, because it expanded my idea of like who I could spend my time with. And I stayed close with, you know, a few of my friends from the Manhattan crew, but I ended up spending a lot more time with kids uh, from the team and kids who I met through the team. Um, And so like today, my closest friends from Bronx Science all live in Queens. And that's all a product of the cricket team. So when you decided to take on trying to create that team, was that part of your thinking? Like, was it a goal to try to connect with other kids? I actually have no idea. I don't know how it happened because we made a club, we practiced, but then by chance, PSAL also became the first American public school league that made cricket into an official sport. And then we became a team with with a coach. For me, it was also great for my understanding of what brownness means, brownness in the South Asian context, because you had all these kids of South Asian descent, but so many different kind of um, identities within that because you had this huge split of kids who were from the Caribbean, you know, um, ancestrally from South Asia, but very much like they are Caribbean the same way that like my family is Ugandan, but ancestrally Indian. It was, it also kind of forced me to spend my time outside of Manhattan. Yeah. I would get home from cricket games at like nine because we'd be playing in like random ass parts of the Bronx. We'd be, and you know, cricket is not a short game. We're playing, you know, 2020, which is the shortest version of the game, maybe three to four hours. Yeah. Yeah, There are four days. I'd miss (laughs) a lot of practice. Um, (laughs) Miss Schoenfeld was yeah. always curious where you were. I was like, look, he'll be there on Monday, but Tuesday to Friday, they start. He's out. Um, I'm so glad it happened because that's so much of what I associate with Bronx Science is changing my understanding of New York City and who New Yorkers are. Yeah. Because if I hadn't gone to Bronx Science, I would have remained within a privileged bubble for my whole time in New York City. I would have gone from a, a progressive and well-meaning middle school that is still, you know, costs above $20,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So how, you know, it can only be so quote-unquote progressive, 
then I would have gone to a to you know a very privileged high school, and then I would have gone to a basic basically a reproduction of that in college. Right. Uh, and Bronx science was kind of the thing that broke that chain and redefined the city for me and and my place in the city. So you've always been someone with kind of one foot in New York and one foot in the rest of the world. Yeah. Now going back, I know between work and just life, you're all over the country and all over the world. What are the pieces of this city that you really love now? Places of the city that I love. It, or it could just be like yeah, yeah, aspects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, aspects. I mean, one place, specific place is Jib Lanes. Jib Lanes is a bowling alley. I've been going there since college uh, to bowl with <laughs> with the squad, who we call ourselves the Fab Five. Soon to get tattoos, uh, Roman numeral V. Uh, bowling is like a very big part of our friendship and... Um, and that bowling alley, you know, $10 all you can bowl. Yeah. It's it's part of what I love so much about Queens, which is what I love so much about New York, is that is actually this kind of like this reflection of a city where people just are from are from all over and it's a lot more middle class than what I see in Manhattan mm-hmm. and what I see generally around the city now, which is so much more money and and a lot of people who make the city what it is being pushed out. And Jib Lanes, you know, when I roll through Jib Lanes and, and that part of Queens, you, you f- I feel a lot more at home. Why? I, it's not where you grew up. It's not where I grew up at all. But it's um, it all has to do with it goes back to the cricket team of being introduced to Queens and yeah. through my friends understanding Queens. But it's like, you know, I love where I've grown up, right next to Columbia. But I don't identify with it as like community. And I think Queens is just like there are so many different people from around the world who call Queens home. It's to me, it's like what what I want New York to look like on the whole. To answer your question in short. What makes Queen feel, Queens feel like home to me is who is there and also the class of individuals, mm. that it's people who who have made a home for themselves as opposed to just like transplanted out and bought a nice place. Do you think you would have found your way to that piece of the city if you hadn't gotten to Bronx Science? No, not at all. No? Zero chance. Huh. Zero chance. We'll, we'll wrap in a minute, but I have a couple yeah, of Yeah, things. please. No, keep going. Um, what's the most trouble you ever got in Bronx Science? Oh my God. You really had was to... I involved? <laughs> wow, you were definitely involved. Um, look, I I'm a smart guy, but uh, I really tested that at Bronx Science. Uh, I tested that definition of what does smart mean um, because uh, a lot of evidence points to the points to the contrary with what I did and uh, the amount of dean's detentions that I rolled out of Bronx Science with. Because remember uh, the guidance counselor's office? They would give you those passes out for when schools would come and do info sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, classic. So classic, right? So everyone was using those. But uh, I wasn't everyone. I went above and beyond the call of duty. Of course. And uh, at the bottom one day of the like nth briefing I'd been to, mm-hmm. there were a couple that didn't have the date oh. filled out. Liquid gold. So <laughs> I took that shit and photocopied it. Wow. And like an idiot, though, would use it the same day every week. <laughs> I like picked Wednesday for my mat for Sussman's class. Oh, man. I'd always take it. I'd just go out for lunch. You yeah. know, I'd just be like, peace, son. Oh, my goodness. And one day he tailed me. I mean, wow. keep in mind, this guy is a graduate of the Israeli Defense Forces. <laughs> He's tailed brown guys for a long time. He's good at it, right? Oh. Tailed my ass. Um, that was the first 20. Yeah. <laughs> really, really, come on. Um, um, yeah, so we got some of the, like, some of the the, the dirty, nitty-gritty there. Yeah. I want to go back to um, that transition between friend groups one time. Mm-hmm. Um, Please. 
you know, I think one of the things that I've admired about you is bridging gaps between people. And this is beyond just like where people are from or ethnically or anything like that. Like just between folks who like wouldn't be comfortable in a room together, mm-hmm. your boisterousness bridges that gap and makes it comfortable. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, no, I, I mean yeah. it. You are terrible at texting people back. Uh, yeah, no, that's but you're, once you get in a room with <laughs> you, it's a blast. Um, are there spaces at science where you felt particularly encouraged or safe to shine? Like to just do your thing. Yeah, that's actually it's a great question. Um, I think in my latter years, I think I cre- both was given and created space for myself to be more who I am was and am Mm. in terms of embracing all of my um all parts of myself and specifically my identity i feel like as i got older at science i became a little kinder it's it's a weird thing where i know i know what someone wants to hear Mm. right i know what someone wants to hear to laugh i know what someone wants to hear to feel whatever it might be a lot of the time for the first years i feel like in such an eagerness to make friends and be popular and whatever it might be i would play to whatever x person needed from me as opposed to being who i actually wanted to be it's like being a great mirror right you know you just give you give people exactly what they want and i think that as i got older and maybe a little more comfortable and a little more exposed to who i could also be i became less of a mirror and more kind of driven from within to be proud of my brownness to be proud of you know not being white because in the beginning for the first two years I definitely felt like the other you know felt like a token other I remember wondering about my attractiveness to girls because I wasn't white my world was framed by whiteness Mm. and in the latter years things changed for me not to the extent they did in college but it was the beginning of that transformation do you think that could have happened if it hadn't started in high school no had I gone to like a private high school in New York City, I don't think I would have ended up on the same kind of path that I am now, just mm-hmm. in terms of the way that I think about things, um, especially to do with class and, and race. Um, I'm just thinking how rare it is to be in an elite institution that's predominantly non-white. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's, like that it, does not happen and in the that world was fit, very often. But, or in America very But often. the thing is, is, there was still this feeling at Bronx Science that the cool kids were the white kids. And, even and for everyone, or and you think see, for see, you? May, maybe it was just for me, right? But even when I would bridge the gap, mm-hmm. there was still a kind of reverence from any of my other friends to when they were meeting like the white kids I knew, right? Yeah. And it definitely played off in my head that I was this because I hung out with the white kids, <laughs> and you know I was cooler, or whatever it might be. You know, um, yes, it was a majority non-white school and an elite, a majority non-white elite. Uh, high school institution, but at the same time, whiteness still ran how I think a lot of people, definitely myself included, uh, determined their own value and self-worth. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm. I think I'm never going to be in a building every day with 3,000 people from around the city and around the world. Like that's never going to happen in my life. And yeah, I wish I'd made better use of it. I wish I'd learned. Look, I I feel that as well because I'm so proud of a lot of the things I did in high school, but I also... I also still was consumed by individuals and ideas that wasted so much of my time Mm. in comparison with who I could have been talking to and meeting with and exploring the city with people who are now forever like 
the only like, I would say they're lost to me, but like maybe I meet them at the reunion. You know what I mean? Like when I went back to the reunion this year and I was there for a little bit, it was just amazing to see all these people who were, you know, just interesting. And yet, you know, I didn't really give them that much time a day. People go in such different directions. Yeah. You know, you're, you can go to Bronx Science and it's like for a moment where all other things are suspended. And then afterwards we'll split up and go into where, you know, our footholds in society take us. Right. And there's still so much of society which affects who gets in and things like who's prepared and who has a tutor right. and whatever, X, Y, and Z. But there is that feeling of this amazing squad of, of, of students and like the people who were there. And I tell my parents this all the time. You know, sometimes my, my dad will say, you know, he'll think about, oh, you could have been studying Russian literature in junior year of high school. And there are these kids, you know, coming out of Fieldston who will have read Dostoevsky thoroughly and really analyzed it. And I didn't, right? right? But I got these experiences and these friends that transform my understanding of the city, which changes your life. Yeah. And this way, yeah, there's so much of a, there's still a big feedback loop in my friend group. You know, there are still things we all agree on, but we still are different enough that it's still challenging. You know, it's still not normal and assumed that we would all be friends. Yeah. And you have Bronx Science to thank. Yeah. No, and I, and I have Bronx Science, you know, worth the trip. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get a better fucking slogan. slogan. I mean, shit. <laughs> <laughs>